0: It's something that Garoppolo has to deal with. Long play. So give me your longest play. I don't know if I can do that for you. It's top secret information. All right, just do this. Just right, put that over enough. your face so nobody sees your right, mind. First okay, one comes to my mind. All right, we can go Y short to strong right clamp ace H two Y bingo X comeback cannon with roll right Z shallow on two. Got it. I have no idea. What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of. Red and Gold Standard Podcast, hosted by 49ers Hive. My name is Zach Hernandez. I'm joined by my co-host, Anthony Perry. Anthony, how you doing tonight?
1: What's going on, Zach? What's going on, Faithful? It is your boy, Perry, back with another edition of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. As always, Zach, follow me on Twitter, Perry underscore 49ers. That's P-E-R-R-Y underscore 49ERS. Let's get it rolling, man. I can't wait to talk about the schedule once again. We got the second quarter now. A lot of pretty interesting games, I would say. And uh, yeah, let's get it rolling.
0: Yeah, I mean, today, guys, just like Anthony said, we are going to continue our 49ers 2020 schedule preview. Uh, Today we'll be analyzing the second quarter. Uh, But before all of that, Anthony, real quick, news broke uh, Monday morning, afternoon-ish, that the 49ers signed a contract extension with Kyle Shanahan through the 2025 season uh, Adam Schefter reported that. What are your initial thoughts on that?
1: I'm excited, man. I am really excited for the Niners to finally get this done. It was, I kind of felt like it was needed in a sense. I like, well, I guess I'm saying that with Shanahan, I want security with him because he's honestly a one in a million play caller for the NFL. He's the best at his job, arguably outside of Andy Reid or, well, Eric Bieniemy. And there just aren't Kyle Shanahan's laying around the league, you know, and we finally saw what he could do with a healthy team who he really didn't have all the weapons at his disposal. Yeah, we saw him work out with Emmanuel Sanders and guys like Hendrick Bourne and hell, even Dante Pettis and Debo Samuel and obviously George Kittle. So there's good role players on the team, but he still didn't have all the necessary pieces, if you will, to fit his offense Even then though, he still did a hell of a job with what he had, and you see what he can do with that, now you gotta visualize what can he do with even more. He has Jimmy Garoppolo under his belt for another season now, they added Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle is back and should be healthy, Debo Samuels going into year two, they had a very solid draft class, it's all types of things that can go into how well this offense is going to play, and the fact that Kyle Shanahan finally has everything that he could possibly use and keep in mind too these guys aren't you know they're not world beaters he's got a number one and a number two receiver that have played for two seasons and the other one is a rookie in Brandon Ayuk these guys are gonna ball out with Kyle Shanahan and yeah I know they have George Kittle but George Kittle he had a whole lot of pressure on him to block because that offensive line wasn't really giving Garoppolo that much time and Shanahan couldn't I felt like Kittle had another very good season, but it didn't feel like what it could have been with how well he or how good he is as a receiver. So, you draft a guy like Charlie Warner to kind of help block for the line a little bit, open up George Kittle more, and really, you open up Kittle, you open up Kyle Shanahan's playbook entirely. So, a type of extension like this really tells me that Jed York stepped up. He knows what Kyle Shanahan can be and what he can do, and he just really believes that this team can be successful with Shanahan at the helm.
0: You know, when, when this news broke, I was super excited. Um, I wasn't expecting it. Obviously, I don't think anybody was. It kind of came out of the blue. But this is Jed York doing right by his fans and doing right by his team. Uh, he saw the success that Kyle Shanahan brought to the team, and he probably figured I'm going to do anything I can to not let this man leave, to not let this relationship sour in any way. So he kind of went on the offensive and he went and made sure uh, before it was time, he's not going anywhere. Um, So, you know, now, like I said, Kyle Shanahan has signed through 2025 and just that you can kind of relax. Now, all 49ers fans, Jed York included, They have their coach for the immediate future, you know, so they don't have to worry about that. And they can sit back, build the best roster, focus on winning their division and, you know, most importantly, winning a Super Bowl Um, that that aspect is taken care of. Jed York specifically, you know, he's gone through some turmoil with coaching staffs, uh, coaching changes in the last couple of years, going back to Harbaugh. So he probably did everything he could to make sure this wasn't going to be an issue. And he wasn't going to be, you know, the black sheep again from the fans. So I thought this was a huge move, and also Anthony and I were talking about this right before we started recording. But look for John Lynch to be, excuse me, John Lynch to be done rather soon. We'd imagine probably within the next week. Um, they are a tandem, and I'd imagine Jed York wants to keep it as such. Uh, now, Anthony, back on to the schedule. We just had to get that breaking news out of the way. Um, the week four starts off, or excuse me, week five starts off at home against the Dolphins. Um, Is there any serious threat there that you can imagine?
1: Yeah, with the Miami Dolphins, I would say the one thing I would most worry about with that team is the head coach, Brian Flores. And look, obviously his first year didn't go as planned, but that's the Miami Dolphins. What can you expect? They were basically tanking the season. They got... Tiger Valoa, who may or may not play, but if he does, he will be very exciting to watch, assuming he can stay healthy. They had a very solid draft class. They got Matt Breida from us for what, a fifth round pick. So they're going to have a pretty solid running game as well with him, you know, under the wheel. And that defense overall isn't really fun to mess around with. They got Jerome Baker, a very solid linebacker. They got Vince Beagle, another pretty decent linebacker. They just have a. Overall, very solid team. And obviously, at cornerback, too, you know, they they uh, signed Byron Jones. They got Xavier Howard on a really big contract as well. They drafted Noah Benigin. They have a solid defense, dude. And overall, I think they have a very solid team, and they're not one to sleep on. I have a weird feeling that Garoppolo might just struggle. And the only reason I'm going to say that is because... Having a former quarterback go against someone who coached on the same team he was on because, you know, Brian Flores was with Garoppolo in New England, a lot can happen, I want to say. And the same thing happened when Garoppolo played Matt Patricia in the Lions the year he sadly tore his ACL. He pretty much struggled. And yeah, that was more or less his first season under the helm, if you will. But the point being is that I think former. Uh, New England coaches might have some type of little advantage on Garoppolo. And I think that's just kind of like a Bill Belichick thing, where I mean, if Bill Belichick didn't help these guys with their coaches or with their players, I mean, and obviously watch them train and practice and know what their weaknesses are and whatnot, then I wouldn't know what to say. So the team is pretty good as a whole, in my opinion. But I think as Brian Flores, I really takes the cake for the Dolphins as a whole.
0: Totally agree with you. Um, this Dolphins team was playing hard at the end of the season. Um, they, they were putting together some some nice games there, some nice games on film. And I think they're you know, pretty underestimated and a lot of people kind of overlook them and they kind of laugh at them. But I think they're gonna be a pretty tough opponent within the excuse me within the near, near future. Um, is it going to be this game against the 49ers in Santa Clara? I'm going to say no, but, you know, they do have some good players on there. Uh, They did get Matt Breida, like you said, and, you know, they have a guy like Devontae Parker, who's always, you know, a tough challenge. Uh, He put up 1,200 yards last year on 72 receptions and nine touchdowns. So it's just, you know, an 802 yards of his total amount came over the final eight games. Um, That just, you know, shows that they really kind of got things together in the second half of the season. Uh, They kind of remind me of like Atlanta Falcons type where they really turned it on at the end of last year and they were playing good teams really tough. Um, So I think the 49ers, they may not have their hands full, but it's kind of going to be like that week three home opener against Pittsburgh where if they don't get out of their way their own way and if they keep shooting themselves in the foot they might find themselves down or tied late in the ball game and that might come back to bite them so i just really think they need to uh, come out hot and stay stay hot the whole time and just stay out of their own way man it's it, it's really a lot easier said than done but still a good team can't constantly hurt themselves um, Anthony, I touched on Devontae Parker. I know you touched on a few guys there. Who is the one guy when you look at the Miami Dolphins that you think we gotta make sure this guy doesn't doesn't tear us up?
1: It's weird because their roster has a lot of very good but not, you know, the elite type players that you wanna go, wow, we got a game plan around him. But looking at the roster now, I will say I'm going to put in a little tie between Byron Jones and Xavier Howard because skill set-wise, I think they are both excellent cornerbacks. And they they should give Garoppolo some trouble when it comes to passing the ball. And we got to see how guys like Ayuk and Debo Samuel are going to handle, you know, press man coverage, zone coverage, things of that nature, and yeah, Debo's a solid receiver, but we gotta see if he's gonna hit that sophomore slump in year two, or if he's able to expand his knowledge on Kyle Shanahan's playbook, and then obviously we gotta see how Brandon Ayuk is going to do to begin with, because he's a rookie, and you know, rookies tend to really struggle under Kyle Shanahan's just vast playbook, and that's not to say that Ayuk is going to, but it is to say that I the game might not the game may not come that easy for Ayuk right away, at least under Kyle Shanahan. So, yeah, I'm going to tie between Howard and Byron Jones. Both of those guys, I think, are going to give the passing game trouble. But you do have someone like George Kittle you know, under Kyle Shanahan's belt that, that can really just break the game open if need be. And, yeah, they have a good cover linebacker and a good overall linebacker and Jerome Baker but we also have the top tight end in the entire league. So the cornerbacks might cause trouble, but at least there's a backup (laughs) plan in George Kittle.
0: Okay, yeah, definitely. George Kittle is going to be a handful for them. Uh, For me, I know I touched on Devontae Parker there, but they have that linebacker, uh, Raquan McMillan. He's he's a good linebacker, man. I think he's underrated. Um, Adam Gase kind of had him uh out of position more often than not when he was dropping back into coverage. I think a coach like Brian Flores really knows how to take advantage of him and his skill set and he looked a lot better in twenty nineteen. Uh I think that's a guy, you know, just kind of in the middle of the field that Jimmy Garoppolo is gonna need to just keep an eye on at all times, even though he doesn't drop into coverage much, he's still he still can be a, a playmaker and the difference maker on defense for the Dolphins. Um You know, we talked about them acquiring Matt Breida. Is there any worry for you that Matt Breida is going to light it up on the other end?
1: I think if anyone knows his former uh, his former running backs, it's going to be Kyle Shanahan. And yeah, we know that Matt Breida has a lot of potential to be good. But we also saw a lot of potential for him to struggle, if you will. And yeah, he lost a lot of carries just because of a couple of fumbles. And yeah, I think he did get outplayed by uh, Raheem Mostert overall. So that's not to knock. Uh, that's not to knock Mostert in any way. But at the same time, you got to figure that someone like Matt Breida's skill set would have at least earned him some more carries. And obviously, that wasn't the case. So again, if anyone's gonna know how to attack Matt Breida even though he's obviously not a defensive coach it's Kyle Shanahan and I'm sure he I'm sure he's given uh, Robert Sella a lot of pointers into how Matt Breida really plays the game
0: yeah I I definitely agree with you I think as quick as he can be and you know has as good a vision as he can have I just think that this isn't going to be the game that he's going to break out for 150 yards and three touchdowns on the ground Um, and, you know, I, I don't think that Tua is going to be back there yet, so I don't think the Dolphins are going to have much of a threat under center. Uh, So I, I just, you know, I don't envision much from Breida, at least this week. Obviously, I wish him the best with his Dolphins career, but I just don't see him lighting up the 49ers uh, in Week 5. Uh, last question here, Anthony. We're going to be asking it for each game. And... It's, it's kind of pointless in this game, but obviously there's no playoff implications here. These two teams won't meet again unless they, for some crazy circumstance, meet in the Super Bowl. So actually, I'm not even going to ask you that because it's kind of pointless. So moving on to Week 6, the 49ers stay in Santa Clara, and they take on their division rival, the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, give me a uh, view from 30,000 feet kind of review on this one.
1: It's going to be the Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey show, obviously, as is the case with the Los Angeles Rams. They are in salary cap hell. They are in draft class hell. They, you know, that team just seems like they have problems up and down the roster. And we saw a video of Sean McVay on draft day. Looked like he wasn't too happy during that whole process. So if that's not kind of a nutshell of where the team's at, you know, position wise, if you will, then I'm not sure what else is. The Los Angeles Rams, I, th- I do think they are a good team. Don't get me wrong. They have playmakers up and down the board. Jared Goff can be good when he needs to be. Obviously due to Sean McVay, but nonetheless, great receivers in Robert Woods, Josh Reynolds, Cooper Cup, all studs, Gerald Everett, Tyler Higby, very good tight ends. And then we look at the defensive side of the ball, where it gets a little more, a little more tight for the team, if you will. But they again they still have very good role players and you know, two top ten players in the entire league, in Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. But if you look at guys like John Johnson, uh Ashawn Robinson, Michael Brockers, they have a lot of good you know role-playing type guys as well so on paper the Rams have a good team they have a very good team but it's just Sean McVay's unwillingness to either use a fullback or really just change his offense as a whole is going to be the downfall of the team and we saw that happen throughout the season where the Rams winning games obviously they didn't beat the Niners but the Rams winning games as a whole felt more lucky than it did they played well And I don't really see that changing for them again this season unless Sean McVay can learn to adapt and really change his play style and playbook for the team.
0: You know, we do our weekly show, Niners News, on our YouTube channel. Check it out, guys, if you haven't. But my co-host there, Matt Llewellyn, always talks about the Rams as kind of what not to be and what the 49ers should do. Everything in their power to make sure they don't end up as... And I got to agree, I mean, a couple of years ago, they were in the Super Bowl, NFC West winners, uh, they were the cream of the crop, and they quickly, quickly fell from grace. And it, it's, it's almost sad looking at them now. Now, don't get me wrong, the 49ers and the Rams, like I said, like I said when asking this question, uh, they, they did play each other really, really tough last season. And I would not be surprised if they did again this year. However, I just think there are two franchises trending in different directions. I think the 49ers will improve on last season. And the Rams, unfortunately, uh, will, will will keep getting worse. Uh, just looking at their draft here. They didn't have a first-round pick. They used their first overall pick, which was their a second-round pick, pick 52 overall, on a running back. Cam Akers from Florida State. So, I mean... I just really don't understand what they're trying to do. They're probably thinking to replace Todd Gurley. However, uh, there's an argument to be made that they were better last season without Todd Gurley in the lineup to begin with. Um, So, you know, it's tough. Um, Anthony, you touched on in your answer there, it's pretty much all Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald,
1: but who on offense scares you for the Los Angeles Rams? So... The Rams kind of remind me of the Niners outside of George Kittle in the sense that their offense isn't necessarily filled with guys who can take over a game entirely, you know, not like a DeAndre Hopkins or Odell Beckham or Calvin Johnson, you know, those kind of guys, but they'd have a lot of solid role players on that offense. And I listed them like Robert Woods and Cooper Cup Reynolds, uh, Everett and Tyler Higbee, So it's a little mix of everything, but if I had one player that I I personally think would stand out, I think it's Robert Woods. I think Robert Woods is a solid route runner. He's got very good hands. He's a super solid yak guy or rat guy, yards after catch. And that's just kind of what Robert Woods' game is centered around, is getting a lot of yards after the catch. He is, I think, a sneaky good long speed, if you will. So I'm not saying he's like a super deep type threat. But once he catches the ball and gets it in his hands in open field, the guy can just take off and go. So if I had to pick anyone, there's not too many big threats, if you will. But if, if I think anyone's going to be a problem, I think it's going to be Robert Woods. Okay, I could see that. Um, I kind of went
0: similar, but I went with Cooper Cup. Um, I think Cup is a phenomenal receiver for the Rams. Um, he, you know, had that injury when he first got in, but he was lining it up before. And even afterwards, he, he continued to line it up uh, last year. He had 1,161 yards, averaged 72 yards a game, and 10 touchdowns. I think he's pretty much all they could have hoped for when they drafted him uh, a couple of years ago. So I think Cup could be the Rams' biggest red zone threat this year. And I think that he matches up really well with the 49ers' secondary. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him you know, put up triple digits and at least a score when the 49ers play the Rams in Week 6. Um, now, Anthony, you talked obviously also about Aaron Donald again. How do you stop Aaron Donald? We, we've had this conversation numerous times. Is there a way to stop Aaron Donald, or do you just hope to contain him and limit the damage?
1: Definitely contain him and limit the damage. You can double-team him. We've seen in the league, you can double-team him, you can triple-team him, you could do whatever you possibly can to stop him, and the guy just still gets up and wrecks havoc up the middle. So I think the most the Niners can hope for is that Weston Rickberg is (laughs) happy, is healthy and ready to ball out. We need that guy to stand up. He's a very solid center when he's on a streak, you know, when he's played some consecutive games and he really gets back into his groove and whatnot. But he gets knocked out of games. He gets hurt. He misses a season. You know, he misses a lot of games and it's just going to be a problem overall. And yeah, I think Ben Garland is a solid replacement up the middle, but Garland isn't weston rickberg so there's a problem and then if he if aaron donald's getting double teamed you got to hope that either lakin tomlinson or if it's going to be daniel brunskill at right guard or tom compton whoever it may be golden mckivitz even whoever it's going to be they got to hope they can hold those double teams and just buy garoppolo however much time he possibly can but it's one of those things where i think if you can shut down aaron donald you shut down the defensive line. But shutting down Aaron Donald is no easy task. So even if they can limit him, you know, kind of limit the damage overall, I think the Niners should have a good successful day, if you will.
0: You know, I think that Aaron Donald is a beast, obviously. That goes without saying. But I think the 49ers offensive line can honestly match up quite well against him. Uh, I don't think that he's going to have the games where, you know, he has five sacks and a couple forced fumbles and stuff like that i don't really think that's going to be the case um i think that the 49ers going to be able to do what they can to limit the damage i guess you could say and 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 kind of keep them in check uh whether that entails bringing in you know extra help in the box or you know doubling him every play whatever the case may be uh this isn't the rams defensive line of previous years past to where you know they're going to be coming from all sides and, and you know all holes and you, there you know you can only plug so many holes this isn't that same defensive line so i don't think the 49ers need to worry as much uh, but you know at the end of the day it's still Aaron Donald and he's still the best at his position in the NFL so that's going to be a huge test for the 49ers to keep an eye on there uh, now let me ask you this what are the chances that they lose this game?
1: I would maybe put it at... I would give them like a 30% chance of losing. Maybe even like 40 And look, we saw how well everything went for the Niners when they did play the Rams this past season. And yeah, the first game was kind of a cakewalk, but the second game was a little more of a struggle. But we saw that was due mostly to injury, especially when the defensive line, I think D Ford was still out at that time. So the defensive line was still weak. There was a lot of injuries on both sides of the ball, and it was just kind of a crapshoot, if you will. So if the Niners team can stay healthy, if guys like Javon Kinlaw really step up, Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, Quan Alexander all stay healthy and really take their play to the next level, and we also see solid cornerback play from guys like Richard Sherman, Mosley, one I don't think there's going to be a problem with the Rams at all. The only The only reason the Rams scare me a tiny bit is just because of their team on paper and I can take that from a Madden perspective and say look these guys got a 90 overall don't mess with them but you could have the best team in football and you know like the Rams at one point when they were in Super Bowl felt like they had the best team and obviously they lost so taking names off of paper and you just look at the team as a whole they're good but they're not you know they're not like world beaters I think for the Rams, it would have to take it would take a lot for every. Or how do I say it? It would take a lot for them to win. In my opinion, it, everything had to fall into place and go right. Jimmy Garoppolo has to struggle with the run game, can't get going. Play action fails for Shanahan. solid can't hold that offense, and we see what they can do in the Rams with Jared Goff, Robert Woods, uh, Cooper Cup. Again, all solid, solid pieces, but you can have a solid team, but that doesn't mean crap, dude. It really doesn't. So. Everything has to go right for them, but I really don't see that happening, man. The Niners overall are just a better team physically, mentally, coachably, if you will, and I don't think it should be a problem for them at all.
0: I think that they match up well still just because it's a division game and they tend to always match up well, but I I agree with you. I don't think the 49ers stand too much of a chance to lose this game. Uh, I think... You know, It's possible that they could have kind of a letdown game or a trap game, so to speak. Uh, but that also could be said for the Miami game in the previous week. So I think that the 49ers do a pretty good job of taking care of business here uh, in week six against the Los Angeles Rams. And I'm going to go – we didn't do score predictions for Miami, but we'll do a score predictions from now on. I'm going to go with uh, 31-17. Do you want to give us a prediction?
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think the Niners, you know, with, after all that stuff I said, I still think at the end of the day, the Niners are just going to blow the Rams out of the park, man. I'm thinking Niners 34, Rams 17 as well. I think the Rams should be able to score some points on the defense. I'm not going to overlook Sean McVay in that entire offense because they are good, but I think a lot of that might come off of garbage time. So what do I say, 34-17? Yeah, I'm going to roll with Niners 34, Rams 17.
0: Okay. I like it. Uh, Now, guys, we are going into week seven, and the 49ers go back on the road. And this is going to be a pretty interesting game. It obviously would have been a lot more interesting had a certain quarterback stayed in a certain borough of New England. But, hey, that is what it is. Uh, The 49ers will take on the New England Patriots in Foxborough in week seven. Anthony, first impressions of this game.
1: I think, I think it's going to be like thirteen to ten, dude. I don't know. <laughs> it's one of those games where I, th- I don't necessarily think the Niners are going to blow out the Patriots just because it's Bill Belichick, man, and they still have a very, very, very good defense on that team. They have guys like Dante Hightower, Jawan Bentley, and obviously the corners like Jawan Williams, Stephon Gilmore, and uh, I think J C Jackson as well. Very, very solid defense. And yeah, the offense sucks. Don't get me wrong. Their quarterback play is either going to be Brian Hoyer or Jarrett Stidham. Doesn't look too good. Running backs like Damian Harris, James White, Sonny, Michelle. Good, but not great. And then wide receivers and guys such as Nikhil Harry, Jacoby Myers, uh, Muhammad Sanu, obviously Edelman. Not that good as well. So... I can't just overlook Bill Belichick and the Patriots because it is Bill Belichick and the Patriots. But if this is the one game to go, wow, the Niners are the real deal. They're going to try and come back to the Super Bowl and they're coming back with a vengeance. I honestly think it's going to start with this game right here.
0: You know, I have a crazy theory about this one. and, And hear me out. I'd love to get your thoughts on it. But I think the 49ers are going to win this game bigly. I think they're going to blow the Patriots out of the water, and and not only that, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have a a you know a coming out party. He's going to be lighting up the Patriots. And, and hear me out. My main reason is we all know the backstory with Jimmy Garoppolo, New England, Bill Belichick, Tom Kraft, Tom Brady. Belichick wanted to keep Jimmy Garoppolo and trade Tom Brady. Brady went to Kraft. Kraft said, no way in hell. We're going to be keeping Brady and trading Garoppolo. So Belichick traded him reluctantly to uh, someone that he knew would take good care of him and that Garoppolo would succeed with. And that was Kyle Shanahan. Fast forward a couple seasons and they have found some success together. Now, is it that much of a stretch to think Bill Belichick might dial his playbook back a bit? to allow Jimmy Garoppolo to blow everybody's minds and have a hell of a game and throw for 400 yards and three touchdowns and look like the quarterback that Bill Belichick knew he was going to be? Am I, am I being a little bit tinfoil hat here, Anthony?
1: No, not at all. I think a game like this with the backstory is really, really good. And, yeah, we might see some, like, revenge games and small things here and there regarding this one in particular – but dude if anyone's going to blow it up it's going to start with Kyle Shanahan. I think Kyle Shanahan wants to he wants to really establish himself as a guy. He wants people to see that look. This is going to be my league. I want to be the next Bill Belichick outside of all the scandals and stuff. I want to be the next best winningest coach in NFL history. And yeah, the Patriots suck offensively, but it still starts with taking the throne away from one of the best, and that is in Bill Belichick. So if Shanahan can smoke the hell out of this team, if Jimmy Garoppolo, like you're saying, can come in and just ball the hell out, dude... This could be this could be a really big turning point for the Niners, not just for that se- for this coming season, obviously, but I think for the next five to ten years, you got to take advantage of one of the best teams or one of the best coaches, if you will, while they're down, if you will. And it starts with something like this. It starts with Kyle Shanahan putting his foot on the gas and not letting go, and just finishing as good as he starts. And if the Niners can blow out the Patriots forty to 40 to fourteen, which I could totally see, by the way, I think that shows that Shanahan is really ready to to get up there to be the next Belichick, to be the next, I guess, Andy Reid, if you will. Yeah, he just won his first Super Bowl, but he's still a successful coach. You know, to, to really take his coaching and his style of coaching into that upper echelon of coaching tier one, if you will.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think this is going to be a big game for Kyle Shanahan just as much as it is for Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, but I think it's going to be the 49ers offense coming out party. I think you're going to have guys like Ayuk and you know Debo and Trent Taylor and Jalen Hurd, given that they're healthy. I think this is just going to be the 49ers firing on all cylinders. And I can't wait to see it. Um, obviously the Patriots still have Stephon Gilmore, and that's going to be a huge test for these young receivers to go up against, but I I just can't imagine a better battle for them to to face, uh, especially, you know, in such a kind of highly scrutinized game when it comes to narratives and and storylines. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on. Uh, who, who do you fear the most from the Patriots on offense or defense?
1: It's a little harder for a cornerback to take over games, but if anyone can shut down one whole side of the field or one person that he's covering entirely who makes a difference for the offense, it's Stephon Gilmore, man. I think Stephon Gilmore will cause a lot of problems for whoever he's on. And yeah, Kyle Shanahan can exploit and create as much as he can, but you can't knock good overall cornerback play. And that's that's what Stephon Gilmore is going to bring. So if anyone's going to have a problem, with anyone on the Patriots and for the Niners sake, it's going to be Stephon Gilmore?
0: Yeah. I, I don't, I don't disagree with you there at all. I think that, uh, I mean, he was defensive player of the year last year and he was, you know, playing amazingly throughout the entire season. He was playing true lockdown football. He was a true lockdown corner and that's really rare in the NFL today. So that's going to be, like I said, a big test for these young receivers to go up against. But I think just, you know, they have strength in numbers. And I think the 49ers end up winning that battle. Maybe not the individual matchup, but overall they will win. They'll win the war, maybe lose some battles. Uh, For me, I'm actually going to go with uh, Chase Winovich. And don't get me wrong, he's not going to be, you know, the, the most dominant player but I think that he's able to come in and, and do some damage in, in key situations. And, you know, he still has some room to grow and he still has some some uh, shoes to fill, so to speak. But I think that if he comes in and has a, a relatively big year, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with on the Patriots team. And the 49ers are likely going to have to, you know, account for where he is at all times when they play him and you know he he was a stud coming out of college and when he went to New England I was, I was actually really happy i liked that fit a lot so i think winovich is someone going to to keep their eye on uh wrapping it up here anthony with new england do you want to give uh, a final score prediction
1: yeah i said it earlier dude i was i'm really hyped about the niners playing the patriots it's about damn time it sucks we couldn't get it while they had tom brady but i don't care I'm all for solid coaching and solid play from both teams, but unfortunately I think this is going to be decided by quarterback play for the Patriots, Brian Hoyer, Jarrett Stidham, whoever it may be, Julian Edelman for all we know. It's going to be a crap show for the Patriots. That's kind of my word for the night, crap show. Just like the Rams, I think the Patriots are going to get smacked by the Niners, but I don't think this is going to be an ordinary smackdown, dude. I think the Patriots are going to get embarrassed in Foxborough and I'm going to roll with what I said, dude. I think it's going to be 40-14 to Niners. Wow,
0: all right. Decisive win there. Um, let's see. It's tough because the Patriots don't have a great offense anymore. But they still have a relatively talented defense. And if I had to choose, um, I'm probably going to go with like a... This is going to be a random score. I'm going to go 38-24, 49ers. I think they they, they uh, get the better of New England, get the best New England in New England. And, you know, like you said, I, I wish this matchup would have happened sooner. But I'm, I am glad it's happening nonetheless. But I think most importantly, I think Jimmy needs to be the MVP of this game. Um, so that that's going to be a fun game to watch. Uh, now, last game here, guys on our second quarter preview of the 49ers 2020 schedule. And I put out a poll uh, this morning asking which game in the second quarter, do you think the 49ers are the most likely to lose? And about 90% of all the votes went with this game. Obviously it's at Seattle, Anthony, how big of a game is this week eight matchup?
1: I don't even want to think about how this matchup is going to go, man. I I dislike Seattle. I'm not going to use any harsh words for Seattle. Because we're podcasters. We use we use solid grammar and good not profanity and stuff on this show. But man, this Seattle game is going to be a toss-up entirely, dude. It's Seattle. I don't care if they got better or worse or the same or they're the worst or the best in football, whatever it may be. They got Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson, dude. That's all they need. That's honestly all you need. When you have a head quarterback head or excuse me, a head coach quarterback duo like those, like we've seen with Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy, like we've seen with Tom Brady and Belichick, like we've seen with Drew Brees and uh, Sean Payton. This is another one of those combinations, man. It's a deadly lethal combination. Even if they get older, even if we saw, we saw how uh, Seattle they played well, but we also saw a lot of one score games from them when they felt like they shouldn't have lost it, or they shouldn't have won as many, and they should have lost a lot more. So, It's one of those things where you can't overlook it, just like the Patriots, even though I think they're getting smacked by the Niners. You still kind of can't overlook it based on who they have on the team and the situation. And it's Seattle, dude. In Seattle, there's not much more you can say, man. Both games last season were, were shootouts, dude. Not in terms of scoring, but just in terms of how the games went. And I think this season, again, even as Seattle gets kind of older and a little more stale, it's still going to be a very finicky and frustrating game for the Niners, and that's just how it is, especially playing in Seattle. So that's exactly what I'm expecting. I'm not expecting a blowout, but I am expecting a uh, hell of an intense game, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, I, I'm i just so glad that this game isn't taking place uh, at Week 17 again. It's happened. I feel like it's happened so many times the last couple of years. And although the Niners had been bad and not in the playoff run, um, it, it didn't affect them as much. But last season, man, that was one of the best Week Seventeen games, if not the best I've seen in my entire life. Um, and and although it was great, although it was fantastic TV, I would have much rather the 49ers won fifty to zero. So. I'm just glad this is happening in week eight and obviously not in week 17. Um, But like you said, you know, if they have Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll, they always have a chance no matter how much they're down. So it's just going to be the 49ers need to come out hot, like I've said before, and they need to keep their foot on the gas. They really can't afford to let Seattle in this one at all, especially when it comes to later on in the game, because they've proven time and time again, no matter how much it looks like they're down and out. They can get back into a game and and likely win it. Um, Now, Anthony, obviously there's Russell Wilson, but aside from Russell Wilson, who do you fear the most on this Seattle roster?
1: At the end of the day, any any football game really, 99% of the time, minus a team with a really good defense, comes down to quarterback play. And it's going to be on Russell Wilson, dude. We got to see how the Magic Man is going to uh, pull games out of his hat this season for Seattle. And by far, I think this is the toughest team the Seattle Seahawks will have to face. And obviously, it's a divisional game, and they got to play twice. But the Niners are a top two team in football. And it's just going to fall on Russell Wilson, man. We saw that he played well again last season. He was in the MVP conversation. And we saw how he kind of carried Seattle to victories and whatnot. But there's a lot of games when it felt like it was pretty underwhelming from him. And yeah, you can blame Pete Carroll for that. You can blame whoever he has on offense for that. But overall, it's still Russell Wilson. And we see what he can do with what he has. And it's going to be another season like that where Russell Wilson is going to create and make plays that aren't there. And it's going to be frustrating for the Niners. So I'm curious as to what your answer is, dude. But at the end of the day, for me, it's always going to be freaking Russell Wilson.
0: Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. Russell Wilson is the heart and soul of the Seattle Seahawks. Um You know, honestly, aside from Russell Wilson, I'm going to go with DK Metcalf, man. The guy was playing some beast football last season as a rookie, and he was making some clutch plays at really, really key moments. And I think he's only going to build on that. I mean, he's got a tremendous just physicality to him that's hard to, to defend. Um, so I think the 49ers are going to have their hands full with DK Metcalf. He's just really, really hard to guard. Who do you put on him? Do you put a linebacker? Do you put a safety, a corner? He's like a mismatch nightmare. So I wouldn't be surprised to see if he has a, a big game this time around, especially in Seattle. We know the the Seahawks are going to be feeling, you know, slided in some type of way about how week 17 went. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them coming out a little bit, you know, with, with with revenge on their mind and, you know, just coming out looking to strike often and early. And I think the 49ers, like I've said, need to be, you know, watching out for that and doing everything they can to make sure they quell any sort of momentum the Seahawks start to build. Um but yeah, I, I really think that this game's gonna be huge. And not only that, but I think that the 49ers in order to continue their NFC West dominance and supremacy, they need to win this game. Uh th- there can't be any questions as to if they truly are the best team in the NFC West. If they go in and lose here, it's just going to be up for debate all over again. So um even if they, they win the NFC West and lose this game, Seahawk fans, we're never going to hear the end of it. So I think that most importantly they need to have two wins in Seattle back to back Uh, I think that's most important here. And, you know, also, I've been saying it this whole episode. I'm going to keep saying it because I think it's a huge key to the 49ers' success this season. I want to see that passing game take off. I want to see it get to the next level. I want to see Jimmy Garoppolo passing for 300 yards regularly. And, you know, I don't want to see them leaning on their running game so much. Obviously, use it. use it as needed and use it as much as your game plan calls for it. But I don't want them adjusting because the passing game isn't working and they're not able to, to move the ball through the air and then having to compensate by running the ball, you know, 50, 60 times a game. I'd much rather see a more balanced game plan, a more balanced offense. Uh, so that's what I'm looking for. But I, I just really hope this, this pans out well for the 49ers. And look, guys, we just went through the first eight games and I really don't think it's too much of a stretch to say the 49ers could easily start off eight no if not seven and one um because they're they're definitely capable these are some teams that they should beat you know a couple of wild card games in there sure a couple of games that they might lose but at the same time i think that they should be able to win these games they are clearly the better team. So I guess let's just see how that how that times out. Um, and we're going to wrap this one up here for this week eight matchup against the Seahawks in Seattle. Uh, as far as scoring prediction, I think it's going to be another tight one, guys. I'm sorry if you guys want to hear the 49ers are going to win 50-0, but I don't think that's the case. I think they're going to pull out another tight one because that's just how these games seem to go. I think they win... I'm going to go with 28-24, and I honestly think it's a winning touchdown from Jimmy to Debo, because I think that just makes the most sense. Anthony, how do you see this game ending?
1: Yeah, I saw it the same way as you, man. I thought it was going to be a a very tight game where it might come down to one score, just like how the other games did, pretty much. I do, however, I'm going to go a little bit, not overboard, but I'm going to go a little bit over what we've been talking about. I do think as Seattle gets older, the Niners obviously will get a lot better. And this is week eight in the season. This is when we expect these guys to, to really know what they're doing. So I think the Niners will win the game. It won't be comfortably, but I think they will win the game. And I'm going to say Niners 28, Seattle 21.
0: Okay, I like it. Uh We're both pretty close there. And look, guys, obviously... We're both kind of envisioning the best case scenarios here. Uh, but we both honestly think that it's not too much of a stretch. The 49ers start off 8 0, possibly 7 1. But, you know, we're not coming out here being homers or anything. I think we're trying to do this as fairly as possible. And this game's going to be tough. But I wouldn't be surprised to see the 49ers start off 7 1 or 8 uh, 0. But that's going to do it for us today, guys. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. Uh, here on 49ers Hive. My name is Zach Hernandez. You can follow me on Twitter at Zach Hernan. Anthony, let the folks know where to find you one more time.
1: All right, guys. As always is the case, Perry underscore 49ers on Twitter. That's P-E-R-R-Y underscore 49ERS. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in and be
0: safe. Hope to hear from you soon.